All right, I need to ask everyone a question. Who on their way in this morning thought that I was going to be preaching? No, there we go. Neither me. Well, I kind of knew it, but we're, <laughs> we're in for a fun one, eh? I like to sit down because uh, last night I was having a Mother's Day dinner and Sam asked me if I'm sitting down today because about five years ago, I reckon, I've preached, which is the only other time I've preached, and I sat down. So it must be my trademark. So I'm going to sit down, guys. Are we cool with that? Uh, Listen, all jokes aside, it actually is an absolute privilege to be able to talk to you guys this morning. So um, I just today I really want to dive into the importance of worshipping together and uh, what that means for the kingdom of God. But before I do, I kind of want to dive into what worship really is. Are we cool with that? All right, but before I do, let me pray. Jesus, we love you. We thank you so much that, Holy Spirit, you are here and you are ministering, ministering to us already. Lord, I just ask that my words fall and your words speak right now. We ask, uh, Holy Spirit, that you pierce the hearts of your people, that you ignite fires this morning, that you bring freedom and that you, we exalt your holy name. We pray this in your mighty name. Amen. All right, let's start off with Romans 12.1. So be, if you've got me. I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. Now, that's the ESV version. I actually have the Passion Translation because I read that last night and I loved how it was put. Uh, beloved friends, what should be our proper response to God's marvellous mercies? To surrender yourselves to God to be his sacred living sacrifices and live in holiness, experiencing all that delights his heart, for this becomes your genuine expression of worship. Now, in the previous chapters of Romans, uh, Paul had been dealing with the doctrine of salvation. And what it means to come to God through Jesus Christ. In this chapter, he's, he begins to describe how we then respond to this great mercy and good news for us. This verse helps us to realise that at its foundation, worship is an expression of our new life in Christ. That the only real true response we can have is to give our lives to the submission of his will and purpose for us. Basically, God wants us. He wants all of us. And to be honest, he deserves it and more. The laying down of your life is not just a one and done thing. This is something that we need to be constantly doing and acting upon. And to be honest, this, this is hard. Uh... It's, it's hard to remember to do this. It's hard when life catches up on you. Uh, I know, I wish I could stand up here and say, I do this every day. But it is easy to forget those simple practices. However, I think this becomes easier when we remind ourselves, as Paul is saying, of the great mercy shown to us by our great God. Now, who here has ever been given a great gift? J-Rad's gone. Has anyone ever been given an absolute stinker of a gift? 
I remember, you know those people you call auntie, but they're not your auntie? Yeah, I remember, I don't even know her name, someone from Tassie. Shows you how much I care. Uh, I was like, maybe nine or something, she gave me like some space book or something. I, what do I care about planets? Anyway, uh, that was off notes, by the way, just in case you were wondering. All right, let me set the scene. Summer of 2020. And all I wanted for Christmas was a pressure washer. See, I borrowed one from a friend earlier in the year and I was amazed at the healing properties that this thing had to the pavers in my backyard. They were covered in paint and chalk because I have three beautiful children, but they love to ruin everything. So here it is, Christmas Day. I'm sitting in maybe the hottest house that's ever existed. (laughs) We were at mum and dad's and dad's a bit stingy with the air conditioning, so... (laughs) And I was sitting on a seat and I had so much in deep anticipation of what I would receive. And I was handed a wrapped box. Now I unwrap this box as we do on Christmas. And I saw the words, USA Jetstream Pressure Washer on the box. You guessed it. I got the RX 450 in a lovely banana yellow. Now... Let me just say, I was happy. I was happy. I probably smiled. (laughs) I I probably said thank you. Well, I hope I did. And I was filled with a warm, albeit temporary, sense of joy. So everyone thanks Sam for that because he got me that present. So thanks, mate. (laughs) Now, I feel that this is an appropriate reaction to this gift. Uh, And again, I, I hope I got that story right. I hope I said thank you, Sam. Yeah, great, great, great. (laughs) As humans, we are made to worship and respond to everything around us. It is deeply ingrained in our being. When God made us, he made us to worship. Now, I enjoy my pressure washer. (laughs) When the children draw on the bricks outside with chalk or mud or sometimes human excrement, (laughs) Again, that was off note. (laughs) I've got to admit, there is a slight joy behind the anger that I have because I know I can just unwrap that jet stream and go to town on that stuff in the backyard, right? Now, I'm here speaking the praises of a pressure washer. I am aware of how ridiculous that is. But It's something that I like, and I have been made to praise the things that are good in my life. We are instructed to constantly remember the gift of Jesus Christ. And when we do, when we truly understand what that means, there is nothing we can do but give our entire lives in submission to him. Now, I've been around the church for a minute, and uh, really none of this is new. Like, I've heard... I've heard those words before, but there is a huge difference between knowing the words and truly understanding what that means. I dare say that if we were able to really understand this, we would never miss an opportunity to praise who God is and what he has done for us. 
Imagine a world where we are practicing complete submission to Jesus' will for our lives because we are aware of the amazing gift he has given us. How many opportunities have I missed because I haven't truly submitted my life to Jesus that day, that minute, that second? How many of us are intentionally coming to a place of gratitude and thankfulness for the gift that Jesus has given us? So much so that we declare we are no longer living for ourselves, that our life is temporary and are giving complete control to God. Now, as a worship leader uh, and a follower of Christ, this is actually quite a convicting word because this is, as the Passion Translation says, genuine worship, that the complete submission and sacrifice of our lives and hearts to God And I'll be first to say that sometimes I I don't get this right. But this is where we need to rely on the Holy Spirit to prompt and to equip us for this. So that's my foundational worship debrief for you. But what does this have to do with why we're here, with gathered worship? Well, much like the fact that I have sat in front of you and sung the glory of a pressure washer, Worshipping together points people to Jesus. When we gather and we join in worship together, we are actually demonstrating to the world what it means to be a follower of Jesus Christ. Our exaltation, love, unity, encouragement and earnest longing for the presence of God as a community of believers, can be a powerful testimony to those who are watching us. There's probably never been a time where people are more cynical and sceptical. Now, I don't know that. I haven't lived through time. I'm just, I'm throwing it out there. People are pretty sceptical and cynical, particularly of the church and of followers of God. But let's be a place where authentic, desperate, contagious worship is the norm. Acts 16, uh, verse 25 to 32. Have you got that for me, Sobi? About midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God, and the prisoners were listening to them. And suddenly there was a great earthquake, so that the foundations of the prison were shaken, and immediately all the doors were opened and everyone's bonds were unfastened. When the jailer woke and saw that the prison doors were open, he drew his sword and was about to kill himself, supposing that the prisoners had escaped. But Paul cried with a loud voice, Do not harm yourself, for we are all here. And the jailer called for lights and rushed in, and trembling with fear, he fell down before before Paul and Silas. Then he brought them out and said, Sirs, what must I do to be saved? Then they said, Believe in the Lord Jesus and you will be saved, you and your household. And they spoke the word of the Lord to him and to all who were in his house. And he took them the same hour of the night and washed their wounds and he was baptised at once, he and all his family. Now, this is one of my favourite stories in the Bible. And I mentioned that I preached five years ago. I actually used this story then too, but from a different perspective. But this is such a perfect example of true worship. 
and an outward response to the gift of Jesus whilst impacting the people around them. There's two things I really want to focus on here. Uh, One, it was known that these guys were part of the way. They were followers of Jesus. And they were chucked in prison for basically uh, doing super lit spiritual stuff. They were casting out demons. Uh, They were declaring that Jesus was Lord. But even though they were in prison, they were still so thankful of what Jesus had done in their lives and who he was that they had to exalt him with songs and prayer. They did this together as a gathered group of worshippers. They worshipped so hard that there was an earthquake and the prison walls fell down. That's crazy stuff. If that doesn't show you the power of worship, I, I don't know what will. Number two is that the prisoners were listening to them. Notice that when the jailer was about to kill himself, Paul shouted, we are all here. Now, I'm not a biblical scholar, but the assumption here is that he is referring to not only Silas and himself, but all the prisoners around them. I don't know about you guys, but if I'm in a prison and I'm chained to a wall and all of a sudden the walls come down and my chains are loose, like I'm, I'm running out of there. I'm out. I don't know. I don't know if you've heard, but prison's pretty bad, guys. (laughs) But these guys stuck around. Is Is it possible that when these people worship, when Paul and Silas worshiped, that these prisoners had an encounter with the Holy Spirit? Now, also, because of the residual effects of these two guys praying and singing to God, the guard who was literally about to kill himself out of shame, became saved, him and his entire household. When we come together in worship, we are able to demonstrate the power, the holiness and love of Jesus to the world around us. Am I crazy to think that this can be a house of worship where we see chains loosened, walls coming down and families saved? Have we not seen that already? Our worship points people to Jesus then we let the Holy Spirit do what he does best. Now, not only does our gathered worship affect those around us who don't know Jesus, our worship together encourages and lifts the body of Christ. Hebrews 10, 24 to 25. And let us consider how we may spur one another on toward love and good deeds, not neglecting to meet together, as this is the habit of some, but encouraging one another and all the more as you see the day drawing near. Now, I'm going to be vulnerable with you here. Um, there are some days where it's hard. Um, I'm tired. Like I've got three kids that ruin everything. Like, there are some days where I'm tired and I just, I don't know if I can be bothered to sit in a room full of people and sing or talk to people even sometimes. But, In those moments, can I say I need the encouragement of someone like Josh White singing the loudest he possibly can praises to God. I need Chelsea. Now, the two people I'm mentioning aren't here, but I need Chelsea to light a fire in prayer that morning. I need Megan to come up here and pace around like a lion and yell at me. (laughs) Don't be afraid to get weird, wild and passionate. 
because you never know who in the body needs that encouragement in that moment. Your worship can be invaluable for the person that you're standing next to. We don't know everybody's situation coming into church every week. So sometimes when we don't feel like lifting our hands, maybe we need to. When we don't feel like praying, maybe we need to. When you want to tell someone that seeing them smiling that morning brought joy to your life, maybe we need to tell them. When we gather together as a community of believers, we have the opportunity to experience the power of worship in a unique way. David wrote, glorify the Lord with me. Let us exalt his name together in Psalm 34. We are able to lift our voices in praise and thanksgiving to God. And we can be encouraged by the faith and enthusiasm of others. Another way in which our worship together is incredibly important is because it unites us. Ephesians 4, 4 to 6. There is one body and one spirit. Just as you were called to the one hope that belongs to your call, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is over all and through all and in all. When we gather together for worship, we are reminded of our shared faith in Jesus. We come from different backgrounds, cultures and experiences, but our love for Jesus and his love for us unites us. We are called to be together as one body. And when we sing and pray together, we are reminded of our shared purpose, which unites our foundational belief as followers of God. Has anyone ever been to a footy match or a concert uh, and ended up having a conversation or a high five or a share of frustration with, in any other circumstance, a complete stranger that is sitting next to you? There is a sense of belonging and welcome with these people because they are sharing the same purpose and goal as us. They want the same team to win or love the same artist or lined up for hours in the same line to get the same tickets to the same show. We have a shared united goal as a congregation with the same God, with the same grace who is always the same. And what is better than getting together and singing the praise of our beloved God? Do you know that when we get together and sing... We are literally uniting our breath. We are uniting our words. We are also uniting our actions in the clapping of hands, which I love, or the raising of hands. Studies actually tell us that singing for 30 minutes with other people releases a considerable amount of oxytocin into the system. It's the first time I've said that word. This is the same chemical that is released with physical contact and is especially prevalent within nursing mothers and infants. That's my Mother's Day shout out in the, in the preach. Happy Mother's Day, everybody. In other words, it is a bonding chemical. It literally allows for greater social cohesion. This practice takes on its greatest meaning in the church. Where that unity shapes and uh, where that unity shapes and reorients 
a covenant community to the story of the gospel. When the church sings a lament together, the words and music share the sense of sorrow and anguish of those who are suffering. When they sing a celebratory anthem, this music helps them emotionally taste hope and victory. When we sing together, we are marrying truth, beauty and action. Songs that are clear and comprehensible to a congregation, loaded with biblical truth, are set to music that paints that text emotionally. By singing with the church, I'm putting truth and beauty into action within me and confessing the truth. We speak the truth in love when we join our voice with the church, singing together of who God is and what he has done. So I guess my question is, can we build the kingdom of God without gathered worship? We speak of true Genuine worship as described by Paul in the giving of ourselves in submission. But this act is pointless if we are not connecting with others. To share the truth, point people to Jesus, encouraging one another and uniting together under a greater purpose. Let's be encouraged as a congregation to submit our lives before God and ask that he use us as a congregated people to continue to build his kingdom for his glory. Let me pray. Jesus, we thank you that you are our common shared purpose. What greater Shared goal is there than to build your kingdom. We thank you for who you are, for what you've done. We thank you that you are the same yesterday, today, and forever. And Holy Spirit, we just ask right now that you equip us, that you prompt us to lay down our lives, submitting to you and letting your will be done in our lives for the betterment of the kingdom. We love you, Lord. We pray this in your mighty name. Amen.